Jake Broido has really lived a life of music. From his high school days, he was interning with major producers, seeing superstars like Adele and Katy Perry in action in the studio. He continued to write and produce his own music as he went through college, even opening for Kendrick Lamar, among others. On top of that, Jake also worked as an A&R for Atlantic Records and has helped dozens of artists create and pursue their musical dreams, which inspired him to continue pursuing his own. Jake joins us today to talk about how he built his foundation for success in music and the steps that helped him follow the life he wants to live on this episode of The Big Break. was that new musical the movie was so good it was with the wolverine hugh jackman what was that thing called again oh he did a couple he did um uh what was it the one the greatest showman yeah greg wells produced the greatest showman music okay Okay. and so he was i was i was a intern for that producer um and it was a great first job in the industry i did his laundry i picked up his kids i made his meals i did that for a year and it was incredible. I learned so much from him. I got to work as an intern with Katy Perry and Adele and just some really beautiful days. If you are willing to be an intern, you can get a job, you know, in some incredible environments where there's so much to learn. I mean, getting around producers and artists and just putting yourself, if you're a hardworking, dedicated person in music and you know, there's ways in, in terms of what you're willing to do for free for a while, so I, I did the sleeping on couches in LA thing and worked with these incredible people. And I had a year of learning at Greg's studio. So it was a great place to be. Okay. So just I'm gonna do a quick recap here. You're, you're, you're in high school, you're playing bands, you're done with high school. You're just living. Mm-hmm. You don't figure what to do. Friend of the family is a producer. You get a hold of her. You start, you start, uh, you know, bombing her with texts and, and you start uh, interning with, was it her? Or, or, or I'm, I'm missing the part. She connected me Wells. Connect to, to Greg Wells. Wells. Okay. She said, I don't have anything for you, but I have an interview with you. Uh, I have an interview for you with Greg Wells. And I went to Greg's studio, just wide eyed, sat in his studio. You know, he's sitting there in front of his, it was the nicest music studio I've ever been in times a thousand. Like Greg Wells music studio is probably the best one I've ever been to. So the whole interview, I was just trying not to look excited about all the music equipment that was right behind him. I wanted him to think I cared more about him than the music equipment. So and you were just geeking out on the you're geeking out on the gear. And I'm like, holy cow, he's just got a whole wall of like rack mount gear, analog guitar. Greg has all the best toys. He really does. That's why it was such a fun place to work. His studio, you know, put yourself in a studio with good gear and be around good producers and musicians, and you're gonna just having exposure to that equipment is is valuable time to me because if you're an artist and you care about the sound and you really want to go where these sounds are achieved and, you know, go pursue really great studios, you know, I think it's such an important part of developing and music is just that, you know, like John Bellion works in amazing studios, like these pop artists that do have musicality. Like that's just what we enjoy at the end of the day. The best place for me has always been a great studio. So okay. it was awesome. What did you do? I mean, you're an intern. Were you just making coffee or like, what were you doing? <laughs> I was picking up sandwiches. I was taking his dog to get haircuts. Um, but I was also bringing him tea while he's in the room working on records. So, you know, I get a few seconds in the room while he's working on a big Katy Perry song. I remember Adele came in. She walks in the front door and she's this loud, beautiful, incredible woman. She's so funny and fun to be around. And Adele walks in and we start talking and her and I got to hang out for a few days. It was incredible. But she sits on the couch. Greg goes in the other room. And, you know, Adele's just sitting there. I'm just making her coffee. She taught me how to make PG tips, which is this British tea. (laughs) Put in the tea. It's got a little steamed milk. She drinks some PG tips. And then she goes in the studio and listens to this instrumental. 
She's like, all right, all right. and then she's quiet. She's quiet for like 20 minutes. He's looping this instrumental. And then she goes, all right, I think I've got it. And we're just like, oh, this is going to be an interesting day. Adele walks in the vocal booth and first take, she just spits out her song, One and Only. Have you heard that song? I, I'm not good at remembering I songs' names. you to let me be your one and only. And Adele just sat there. Got just sat there. For 20 minutes. She she just gets there, sits down. 20 minutes later, she writes one and only and then belts it out. It was the most beautiful thing ever. It was the, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in music. Out of all the stuff I've seen at this point, it's Adele just Having a day, that woman is so, like, if you think about how many hits she has, and you put those days into years, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how many days she walked into a studio and did something that legendary? Like, that run she had is unbelievable from her, like, first and second album. It's crazy. So, when she comes in and does this, is is this... And I'm not good at the history, so you have to you have to fill me in here a little <laughs> bit. But I mean, is is Adele Adele at this point? You know what I'm saying? She's like, fully is, Adele. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. She okay. has she has already won uh, Best New Artist Grammy, and her first album had taken off, and now she's in here writing for her second album, just having herself a day, just all smiles, and made a song that. You know, it's so funny, just people like her who really were get she she was given such a huge amount of talent. Like her talent level was just like nothing I've ever been around. You know, I've been around tons of big artists, but Adele is on a different planet than everybody else, I think. <laughs> Truly. So what did that do for you? Like being there, other than just a cool story, yeah. You know, we all have those LA, you know, sightings. You get a little more, obviously a lot more uh closer to that by virtue of being in a room while she just sure. comes up with a song right there. But for you, you know, you're interested in the music business, you're you're working in the business, you're kind of maybe an aspiring artist in some fashion or another, but right now you're get, taking dogs to get the haircut or whatever. And yeah. Adele walks in. What does that do for you? What is what how does that how does that change anything? If the, it does. The reason I was fortunate, I think it's important to have role role models are everything, right? So in that first internship, working for Greg Wells specifically because he's such a kind, positive person. Like the thing you have to realize is the music industry is like any other industry where there are pockets of people that are really good to be around. Then there's pockets of people that are not as good to be around, you know, and can kind of put your life in a different direction. Greg and Katy Perry and Adele and um, Greg's whole staff. It was such a positive, happy, kind, fun environment. I was really privileged to be in a place where people were thriving in this way. Like the way everyone treated me was, was with respect and kindness and everyone was kind of friends and being in those environments that are positive, it sort of set me up to always approach my career that way. And if I'm not in a group that is positive, you know, you want to build your own reality in the music industry, you can end up living a lot of different lives. But what working for Greg taught me is that you can be kind and have fun and enjoy yourself and sort of demand that from the industry. So that was cool. And let me, let me put my therapist hat here on for a second. Did it also just make you also feel a little bit like, yes, this is an industry that I could see myself in because of that? Like I can oh, imagine sure. having a really bad experience. It's like, man, I'm forget it. I'm going to, like I said, law school or whatever. You're right. Like, no, this this is something I actually want to do. It was it was oh, reinforcing. Sure. Yeah, and everyone was laid back, and that's kind of my style. Like I would be driving Adele around L.A. in my really shitty 2006 Honda Accord. You know, and Adele's in the passenger seat and she still has the window down and she's having the time of her life and she doesn't care. She's, you know, making music is an art form. And I feel like all real artists sort of at the end of the day, if you're not in, you have to realize that you're lucky to be doing it. If you're doing it, you ha- it's a waste if you're not aware of the opportunity you've been given and to enjoy it. And I think all those people taught me that early on that if you're going to do this, do it and enjoy it. It's still your dream. You know, working in music, it started, it, it is a dream. That's what, why we do it. We're trying to chase after our dream. So that it taught me early on to follow that intuition of like, have your music dream and live it. You know, it's, it's okay to try to do it and enjoy it. You know, that's, that's what people 
want, you know, when you're not having, I feel like people outside of the music industry, if you want to be in it, it's because you see your life in a position that you want to get to. And if you get there, you should enjoy it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let me let me just change gears a little bit uh, on the internship there. It, uh, you had a you must have picked up a lot of really interesting uh, knowledge as well, almost by os- osmosis, right? Just being in the studio, seeing things. Was there anything that you like educationally? I don't know, maybe more tactically that you picked up in that time frame. Um, oh, totally. Lessons, tips that you still use today, things like that. Yeah, I mean, Gre- Greg Wells is one of the super producers in the industry, and tactically, like his his engineer Ian. It's one of the best engineers in the music industry and seeing how as a producer, he was passionate about bringing in engineers who added to the mix as a producer, you know, he's more of an old school producer in that way. Like these days, a lot of pop producers are creating sounds themselves, you know, through plugins and production programs and they're, which is great. I do that. I, I love that. But what Greg did is, and what, how he produces records is he teams up with analog audio engineers and they're making records in a way that sort of they're supposed to be made. That's why, you know, Greg produced records like Grace Kelly for Mika, um, Waking Up in Vegas for Katy Perry. Like I said, the greatest showman soundtrack. So I just learned a different way to record music. And to this day, I work with audio engineers, you know, whenever I can on records. I have an engineer, Scott Harden, out in Memphis. Um, He's incredible. And it sort of allowed me now in my career to enjoy working with great engineers in analog studios. And I feel like kids are missing that a little bit, but the new software and the new way of doing things is also super cool. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So... So, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute because I've got a little a little theory I want to test out on you. Go but for I want to I want to um not, not yet not we're not there yet. So for, in, internship next level. What happened? You know what? When did you when did you take whatever the next step was? What was it and how did it happen? So after the internship, it was sort of how long was that? By the way, a couple of years, a year, six months. Six months into that internship, I realized that I wanted to study philosophy to be quite honest with you. And I wanted to learn different ways of thinking. I wanted to spend time thinking about time and space and life itself. You know, I wanted to go on a little thought journey, which I did. So I went and got a philosophy degree at the University of Arizona. I studied philosophy for four years while making music. And then I sort of came back to the music industry after college. So I did actually, I did do the college route, which I'm really glad I did. All right. So you, you went and got a full, a full degree in, in, where'd you go to school? I went to University of Arizona out in Tucson. Shout out Tucson. I love that place. So much fun. <laughs> All right. And you graduated the degree in philosophy? Yep. Yeah. I did. Right on. I did four years there and had so many incredible experiences. I'm a big fan of college. Um, met all my best friends. I got to open for Kendrick Lamar one time in college because he came to our college campus and I was like making music on campus. So that was incredible. <laughs> okay. So, so you're still making music in, in college. You're oh, still, yeah. you're still what playing in a band solo thing. What were you doing? I put out a few albums I produced in my dorm room, you know, like it was during the era when like time flies would come to town, hoodie Allen would come to town and I get to open for these artists that I love listening to. And it was a great time in music. When I was in college, uh, Avicii just dropped levels and man, <laughs> let me tell you, being a freshman in college, when levels just came out, was a really awesome time. I highly recommend going to college and having a good time. If you know, at least for a little bit, it was so much fun, man. Well, well that's that's pretty. That's I mean, I I totally agree. But I'm just trying to get a little better sense of how did you how did you get those opportunities while in school? I mean, you're 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 obviously studying like any other student. You're doing your thing, releasing albums. I, you know, I, I've got several totally. questions. How did you release the albums? How did you get hooked up to, to play shows with Kendrick Lamar? Like, wh- how did all that happen? I think being in college helped my artist career and my music career, because when you're in college, it gives you this built-in sort of community to exist in. And there's a lot of great college shows that go on. And if you're, you know, the coolest artist on campus, you're going to open for some artists that you probably didn't 
you know, <laughs> deserve to open for. And I, I saw that going on. It was right when like MySpace music was going down and early Facebook music. And I was a fan of artists like Mike Posner and he came up at Duke University and I just, Sammy Adams was a college artist. And I figured like, you know what, if I want to work on music, I can go to college, get a degree in philosophy and have fun making music. There were these guys who made it seem possible. So I just kind of went for it and it worked out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. University of Arizona is a beautiful place. Um, great place to learn, great place to have fun. And, um, senior year after, you know, putting my head down in Tucson, I ended up getting a, an offer to play guitar at Atlantic records sort of as an entry level employee. And so when I left college, I had a job right away. So it was great. All right. And I want to get to that. I just have one last question about this, about the college geeking that you did. So if someone, oh, yeah. let, let's totally. say so, someone's in college right now, they're listening to this, they're, they've making some music in their dorm room. I mean, what, what are the outlets that might be available to this person within this, uh, that college community that you mentioned that might allow them to have the same kind of opportunities? Are there college radio oh, sure, stations? Yeah. Like what, what, you know, we say you went for it. Like, well, how did you actually, what, how did you go for it in that sense? What, what did you go for? Great question. Um, I just had fun with it. I've my, I've always just been a believer in like, do whatever you can, you know, do whatever you can think of and, you know, start small. Um, I was doing things like playing guitar out in front of sorority houses, you know, just going and singing for people on the street with my friends. Um, I know blue face <laughs> in, you know, artists these days, do that sort of thing. You know, it's okay to go in public and just play for whoever will listen, play at a bar, play on the street, just go do your thing, get in some time putting yourself out there. So yeah, playing acoustic guitar on the street a little bit and then also throwing local concerts. Um, you know, as an artist, it's okay to be an entrepreneur. You can throw your own show. I was doing things like renting out a local venue, booking a touring artist, you know, online, getting people's emails off Facebook, getting people's emails off Twitter and, you know, starting to book shows, I booked my own shows, I would put myself as the opener, and I developed a band and just sort of, you know, putting out records between your friends, texting songs around, if that's where you start before you're even putting songs on SoundCloud or anything, you know, I was like, texting my song to 50 people, inviting them to a concert, that sort of thing. And, and, and being a social person, I, I had a job at a coffee shop, I talked to as many people as I could just being open to a community and having a lot of friends and genuine relationships. It's part of the fun of making music and being in a music scene is just putting yourself out there socially because it helps your music. And Well, yeah, and you're doing yeah. more than that. I mean, it sounds like what you're doing is you're not waiting for things to happen, but you're making them happen. You're booking the show and booking yourself as the opener and finding somebody else who people may hear of, you know, might, might know better. Now, did you book that Kendrick Lamar show that you opened for? No, I was lucky enough to um, be sort of playing shows at the time with this artist named Danny Badio. He was a local rapper, and we made music together. And so he let me come do a song with him on his set. It was, and that was another part of it, is getting to know other local artists. I think people are competitive these days, which is good, you know, just for inspiration, keep yourself going, but even more powerful in music, I found that being competitive is having, you know, a genuine network of other artists that you can, you know, create a community out of. And that's, that's the great thing when musicians come together is people get better. That's a great um, point. One of the things I love about the Austin music scene is just how collaborative it is. And Tucson has that going on. LA has a lot of that going on too. And Memphis. So I think musicians working together um, can do more than musicians, you know, being competitive in their own little studios. And what I also think, just hearing the different things that you did and the, the different things that you're seeing, um, I, I'm wondering if how important it was. It seems very important that you that you came about in this time just before all the social platforms came together and whatnot. I, I jotted down a note here yeah. to myself. That it was a different time. It was a different, it was a different time. time. You were able to focus on what I would call real true foundational elements of, 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 of not just a career, but also of, of um, ability before. So like foundation over followers. Everyone's so focused on their followers right now. They're forgetting about that foundation of actually meeting people in real life and actually learning their, their craft. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just the angle. I always came at, at it from an angle of live music, right? So if you go to the beginning of when I started enjoying music, it was in high school in venues in LA, like the Knitting Factory and the Roxy, like 400 to 600 person rooms. And to me, music's always been that raw energy in those smaller rooms. Cause I would see bands, I would pack those places, you know, quite often and tear them apart. And it was so much fun being in those clubs at that time, just, you know, throwing down to bands like Streetlight Manifesto, Say Anything. You know, there were, there were bands coming around that would tear the roof off those places, Blood Brothers. That's what music's always been to me is at the end of the day is like, let's get in a room together and have a grand old time. That's still what, today. That's all I really focus on is making records and playing shows. And I think live music, you know, there's a form of live music sort of more towards the underground. That's just so much fun and always has been. I, it, that's what's keeping me drawn to this for so long, for sure. Okay. So, all right. So you get out of college and you have a, you have a, someone reached out to you from Warner. You mentioned the play. Could you explain that, uh, that part? Uh, so after college, there was an artist named Katie Tiz who was signed to Atlantic at the time. Shout out Katie Tiz. I love you. She gave me an opportunity to be her guitar player. And so I got hired to Atlantic Records as Katie Tiz guitar player. And we went on tour. So how did you meet, for, how did you meet you know, Katie? I met Katie. I was uh, recording at Rock Mafia Studios in Santa Monica. Um, Your own stuff? Katie... I, yeah, I was just writing Okay. at the time, and Katie came through, and we met, and we became friends. Like, I, I was lucky to meet the, you know, we met randomly, and she's so, she's so fierce, and I just loved watching how she went about her business. She's, a, Katie is an extremely talented musician, but even just as talented as a businesswoman, so I learned a lot from her, a lot of how to focus on the business as you go. And she was so inspiring and we just became friends. I played guitar for her for like four and a half months on the road before getting hired to be an A&R at the company. But she, my job with Katie Tiz was my first job, you know, with Atlantic records and my first job after college. Okay. So you're, so you're, you're, you're playing with her, you're playing guitar, you guys are on the road how does that translate into an AR gig? It's, man, I, I mean, it wasn't smooth sailing. I did two months and I honestly thought I was going to get fired. It was tough. Well, how, how, how did you get it in the first place? The first time I met Katie Tiz was in the studio. And then after that, I went on tour with her. It was tough because it was flights almost every day. It was a radio tour. Radio tours are crazy because you're moving towns every single day. And so we were run down. We were tired. And at the time, her management and her team, I started to learn enough to know that like her team wasn't doing what it should have been doing. You know, like I became close friends with her and I'm, I'm new in the industry, but I, I saw them planning really expensive shoots that could have been done on a lower budget, this and that. And I started to speak up about it. You know, part part of moving up in the industry is sometimes dealing with some friction. You know, if you have an idea or something to say in music, usually you have to force the issue a bit. And I saw, you know, I trusted myself enough to be like, you know what, I'm going to speak up and tell Katie like, hey, here's things that I think you should be doing differently, which was a wild thing to do because they threatened to fire me. <laughs> I got a phone call. I got a phone call and they were like, yeah, you're probably going to be fired. And I was like, oh, well, all right. Well, I guess this is how the, the, it works. But luckily there was this guy on our team, Bruce Tyler, who's an incredible music executive. He's worked with Coca-Cola, Atlantic Records. He's this like really suave 60 year old dude He's just like, he's, he's the most interesting man in the world. Bruce Tyler's just awesome. And so he emailed me sort of when I was really about to be fired. And I, and I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do, but this was fun. And he emailed me. He was like, Hey mate, we should have lunch in New York. And I was like, Oh, this is great. Sure. Lunch in New York. Sign me up. I go to lunch with Bruce Tyler 
And he's like, do you know what A&R is? And I had no idea what an A&R was. And, and he tells me all about what A&Rs do. And he was like, you, you should try A&R. You might be good at it. And my whole life changed, you know, in a lunch. And I was like, wow, I, I would like to try being an A&R because A&Rs are part of the music community. They help musicians get hired and they get to work with the presidents of record labels. You know, I was all about all the things he was telling me. And so I got an interview with Mike Karen and Aton Ben-Hareen at Atlantic and Warner Brothers Records. And I went to that job interview and that's how I became an A&R. As a growing artist or songwriter, keeping royalties coming in is important for keeping the bills paid. It's also important to keep an eye on those royalty payments. A lot of people we worked with here at Royalty Exchange were having a tough time making sense of the royalties that were getting paid. So we built a free tool called Know Your Worth that automatically analyzes every royalty payment made on your music. It breaks it all down in an easy to understand analysis with some insights that would be impossible to find elsewhere. Plus, it connects you with the thousands of investors on Royalty Exchange and allows them to make you offers on your music. So far, musicians have raised over a million dollars for new projects, new ventures, and a whole lot of other things just through the Know Your Worth app. If you're earning royalties, you should be keeping track of them, and Know Your Worth makes it easy. It only takes about three minutes to connect an account, and the tool will automatically update over time. Just visit worth.royaltyexchange.com or find the link in the show notes to get started. Now, let's get back to the interview. So that's an interesting way of getting fired. They basically said, we're going to give you a different job instead. Yeah, they were like, you can't complain over here, but if you go complain over there, maybe it'll help the company. Okay. No, <laughs> it, was, it was good. It was incredible. I mean, Mike Karen has tra- is an incredible trainer of A&Rs. Like my first day with Mike, he was like, go home and memorize the Hot 100 and memorize all the writers and producers, and I'm going to make you write it out for me. I walked into, I was like, what? He's so hardcore about A&R, which is great. And, you know, I spent, I went from being on the road playing guitar to spending two weeks, like memorizing line for line, the Billboard Hot 100, and then having to write it out. Um, That's, that is fantastic. It was wild. It was great. And, you know, I, I spent three months training under him. And having, I wasn't hired right away. It was a three-month interview, essentially, is what he said. Okay. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, let's send it. And uh, it ended up working out. But it was even harder. I thought being on the road playing guitar was hard. And working for Mike Karen at Atlantic showed me a new level of how many hours a day you, you can be doing things, for sure. <laughs> So how long how long we how long were you in that gig for? And you said it was kind of rough at first, so maybe like the first six months or so. It was great. I mean, at f- yeah, at first it was just trial by fire. Um, they sort of took me off the street with no qualifications other than you know getting a recommendation. And you know, I showed up and I was like, "Hey guys, honestly, I'll do whatever it takes to 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 try and do a good job for you guys." I, it's such an amazing opportunity to to work in that building um it's the atlantic studios so the office this is the, this is the circular office in in la this yeah it's the it's an office building in la in hollywood where they have the atlantic record studios and um you know there's re- there's sessions going on from noon until like 2 a.m and those are kind of the hours and i lived and breathed 24-7 in those studios for months and months, just session after session with really great artists. And it was every musician's dream. Honestly, I was working with 
artists like Charlie Puth and John Bellion and Lucas Graham. And I was getting to meet all these incredible songwriters. Like I got to hang out with Justin Tranter and Julia Michaels. And it was just an incredible few months of, of making records on behalf of Atlantic and sort of doing what I do. I got to, my job was to create a authentic community at Atlantic records surrounding the studios with all the world's best musicians. So what, and what were you doing? I was booking the sessions, So I would, you know, be given all these Atlantic roster artists to work with and Warner brothers artists. And I would schedule the writers and the producers that they were going to work with. And I would also collect beats and instrumentals from all the world's best producers for our artists. So I was helping make records just as, you know, that's what an A&R does. And A&R helps, um, it stands for artists and repertoire. So artists and their songs, essentially. So I was making records, you know, every single day. It was awesome. That's great. And how long did you do that for? Um, I ended up doing A&R for three years. Three years? Yep. I did it for three years, and after that, um, it was just time to go back to making music. Because when I was in A&R, I, I had no intention of, you know, I think, I think there's something to be said for having opportunities in music, but don't, you don't need to, when you're in these buildings and in these places working with other companies, you don't need to push your own music if you're a creative. You know, it was a big deal to me that in these situations, I wasn't really trying to gain anything from it other than the learning experience. Cause I think that's why I've had success in those situations is cause I can put my shit aside and I've always been able to help other musicians like, all right, let me actually help you and, you know, create opportunities for you and just being a genuine fan and supporter of other people's music. It's just been important to me because it's something I really enjoy about this. I really enjoy being involved in other people's careers and helping them and I just get into it. And so, you know, two years into my Atlantic job, I start writing songs at home just because songs are popping into my head again. And I ended up selling, you know, a few songs on the side to really big artists. And it was pretty random and it just all started up again because my the songs I was writing in my free time started to work out. So that was the transition. So you're doing the job officially as the A&R guy doing the, you know, booking the sessions and whatnot Yeah, on the side, probably on your own, you're continuing to make music. You're, you, that's what you do. And you just, you, you're able to sell some of those songs to, um, to some other artists where they were, whereas you were, you able to do that by virtue of knowing the people you sold those songs to through your gig or, or was no, that just, there was some just part of the community or it was the community. Like there was some, I, I'm a big fan of this producer named Salva. Um, Paul Salva, he's he was huge on SoundCloud at the time, um, and he's still a really successful producer. And I ended up sending him some demos of mine, um, and he produced some songs to my demos. And just that relationship working with him, because Paul Salvo is such a gifted producer and such a cool guy. And out of nowhere, I get to make music with him, you know, for a few months straight. And the sessions were always fun and he's just so much fun to work with. And it was great. You know, in my free time, I've always reached out to producers and artists that I like, you know, outside of Atlantic or while I was getting paid to do it, I've always contacted and tried to get to know all my favorite musicians and creators. It's just a hobby of mine. I think it's fun. And so, you know, yeah, Sal getting to know Salva and making music with him sort of reignited my desire to keep making music just because of how much fun it Oh, excuse me. <laughs> just because of how yeah. much fun we were having. Okay. I was afraid we lost the feed for a second there. So. <laughs> no, yeah. All right, great. It was okay, a blast. So you're- no. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, we're good. We're good. So uh- so then what so then at the end of three years, basically what what was the switch? You you did that you were doing it on the side. You decided, okay, it's time for me to kind of do my own thing again. Yeah, the Atlantic thing got a little old. Um, major labels are a great place to learn. They can be a great place to be, but after a long time, it sort of grinded me down because 
not all things that happen at major labels, you know, are the best. I don't like to complain, but everyone hears things about the music industry, whatever. It's not like, it's not Disneyland all the time. And so after a few years in LA of just throwing myself in that wave and competing, you know, like I really went hard for them for three years, everything I had and it it went well. I'm super proud of what happened there, but then I had to do something else because it wasn't as exciting to me anymore. I had to, you know, just, I wanted to be at home making music. I wanted to be performing again and I didn't expect that to happen, but, but, you know, I, I figured I was 25. I was like, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's go have some fun and make some music. That's all it was. So, so you left and just started doing, I mean, did you have another thing lined up or did you just decide I was going to start writing music and making music again and seeing where that takes me? No, I had some money saved up from the job that, um, it went well over there. And so I think it's important to save up. I think it's important to work and save up money if you want to go focus on music and that's always been my back and forth. And so I went and started working on music and, and started making some money selling beats and writing for other people. And, um, it was, it was great. It was a really awesome transition, exciting time and just doing what I love to do, which is just be a part of the LA music scene I was in for a bit. And, um, that's when I decided so, to move so, to, so at this point, oh, I'm sorry, but oh, at no, this point, are you, are you, are you trying to be a professional songwriter writing music for, and selling it to others? Or are you trying to be a performer? I wasn't sure. I've, to be honest, I've, I've never looked at it as trying to be anything. Like if you have songs in, in your heart and you need to get them out, you need to get them out. I had songs I needed to make. <laughs> music was happening. I was, I was making music. So I just, you just let it happen. And I put in, you got to put in the hours in the studio. Realistically, you got to put, I knew, you know, you got to put yourself in a position to, write and record a little bit and I started doing it and the the song started coming and they've been coming ever since. I think, you know, they don't, as a, as a musician and an artist, you know, sometimes, you know, if I'm not making music now, I'm preparing myself to make music, you know, with age, I've, I've sort of become a big fan of just preparing to be creative, just taking care of your mental health, your physical health, your relationships, making sure you're getting time in with nature. And if you trust it and you're a creative person, like you're going to, you're going to have tons of art to make. You know, I've just been focusing on making a ton of music and that's what I'm into, you know, since then. And now I'm in a span of just making music a lot for the last three years. And I have another, you know, five to 10 years of just letting myself make as much music as I can. Yeah. Now, in, in order to, and while you're doing that, obviously there's a, you know, you've, you've got to be financially successful as well as artistically, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to be able to sell the songs if you're writing songs. You, and if you're, um, if you're performing songs, you've got to be able to somehow monetize, you know, you're performing, whether it's people buying your music or paying to see you live and things like that. So you've been straddling both of those activities, it sounds yeah. like. Which one is, is the one that's, uh, I guess, sustaining you? <laughs> that's a great of, question. Uh, you know, that's a great question. Fans. That's the struggle. That's the struggle. I mean, every artist goes through an immense amount of struggle with that is like, where's the money going to come from? Right. That's the bit. That's the question. And so it's really hard. I've gotten lucky in a few situations. So I'm, I'm just trying to get a sense of, of the of the activity that you're doing in music, uh, writing songs that people are recording and you're earning the you know the composition and that and the publishing yeah. and, th- and such versus recording under your own name, your own band, selling music, you know, doing concerts, things like that. Like which of those is bringing in the revenue that allows right. you to sustain doing this as a career? Right. Or, yeah. Maybe it's fifty fifty. I don't know. I'm just trying to get a sense of if, if it's tilting. No, it's way. a str- I think. I was willing to make money any way I could on my productions um, at first. Cause, and you might have to be willing to work for free. You know, early on, it's like, let me get around artists and let me see what they need. I ended up linking with Logan Paul and making comedy music with Logan Paul for a little bit. And 
I was willing, you know, at the time social media personalities like Logan were making music that I knew was making money. And I love comedy. I think comedy music is, is great. I've always been a fan on the side of like old Adam Sandler songs. Like, and so I made comedy music with Logan and it worked out. I made a bunch of, you know, cash that way. Also being a part of the local music scene, I meet a lot of artists and I make music with artists. You never know who's going to blow up. I, did a session with this unknown rapper named Quinn NFN from Austin, Texas. And we make a song together. And a year later, he, you know, is doing interviews with XXL and Rap Genius. And he became a really successful artist in Texas. And then he puts out the song him and I made together. And it did really well. So I had Logan money coming in. I had independent artist hip-hop money coming in. And then also I ended up um, doing some deals on the side, like some interim publishing deals. Things like Royalty Exchange actually helped me make money on a royalty I had, and that's kept me going. And just my own artist project, um, making merchandise and putting myself in those positions um, is another piece of the puzzle. And I think having... No matter what's going on, you know, I talked to a lot of artists in the industry who are further along than I am. At the end of the day, is you want all different sources of revenue. You want those things that are making you money online. You want things on Netflix that are making you money. You want things in commercials that are making you money. And so now that I, you know, I've developed these different revenue streams, I just keep feeding things into them and making sure that you have someone who's working your music to TV and movies. And I've had a lot of those hit over the years just from songs I've had come out and just reaching out to movie companies and TV companies. And yeah, just putting yourself in the position to make money, all the things that you do. And I want to kind of wrap this kind of back up to where we started in your internship and you know working with uh, Gary Wells and being in that in those Greg studios Wells. and kind of Greg Wells. Greg Wells. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. I can't. I can't even read my own handwriting. Uh, <laughs> and um, Greg Wells. Excuse me. And 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 basically, um, but that foundational just creating music properly as well. Like not you know forget about what the notes how they work together. Just capturing yeah. it right and, and having it done. And so because what I hear as I talk to you and it's different than what I've heard from quite a few other artists that I've spoken with is that you've all, you've had this really focus on, again, I'll call it the foundational components. You, you, you've, you've, you've been very focused on these foundational things. The music has to sound good. The music has to be written. Well, you have to have these, you have to establish these beachheads in these, these potential revenue channels before the revenue actually starts to flow. You kind of created all that on this foundational level. And then as things build the, the revenue and the other success is able to flow more easily as opposed to just going right towards how do I get the largest Instagram followers or something totally. like that? Like you, you've, you've got that foundational focus first. Well, I think that, yeah. And it's because I was, the stakes are always super duper high. And so those stakes sort of come down to how will you make the music because at the end of the day, how you make the music and, and your music is what makes the difference in how much money you're going to make. And so having your artistic process be really hardcore and done the right way with the right energy, you know, being a student of the game and how to approach sessions and then putting yourself in those positions and working hard on the music is always numero uno. Um, and still today, as I try to further my, you know, artist and writing career, what that really means is I'm just trying to, become better at making music and make good songs. And when I get good ideas, just, you know, nurturing them into, into historic recordings, you know, the best way that you can, there's a lot of nuance to recording music and writing music, but just coming to terms with how serious you are about making music and making records that's number one. And then once you have those mastered recordings, I'll mix and master a song for a year or three. You know, there's songs I mix for two or three years because I have to. It takes that long to get them, you know, in the right place. And so just dedicating yourself to finishing records with talented, 
mixing engineers and producers, you know, Googling audio engineers and mixers and just finding people to work with is a big deal. And, and however long it takes to finish records the right way is step one. And once the records are done, it's, it's about sending those extra emails. Yeah. It's emailing those, those audio supervisors, you know, emailing different playlist editors and blogs and putting in a little extra time to create revenue streams is another super duper high stakes piece of the puzzle. See, both those things have to go right. And so I've just always had a respect for the process and knowing, you know, being realistic about how, how right do I need all this to go to make enough money to do this? And it's always, you know, the music has to be really right. The music has to be so good. And so, you know, it's, it, that's why I love the process though. Cause it keeps you humble and it keeps me tied to why, I started doing this, which is making music and playing shows. So there is sort of a, like, you know, simpatico, like there's sort of a spirituality to all of it, which is that if you're, if you are doing it the right way, you know, you can enjoy making music, you know, like I said about Greg and Katie and Adele is like, if you take all the steps to build your career, your career can become having fun making music. It's what's best for your career. So if you can, you know, that's always been the flow and then making, you know, company genuinely companies like song trust who collects my publishing royalties. Song trust was a huge partner. I play, I did a talk at South by a few years ago for royalty exchange after we did a deal. And as a guest at South by Southwest, they give you the emails of all the other <laughs> guests of the conference, like the behind the scenes emails of all the speakers, they gave that to me. And so I emailed every single person <laughs> who was attending South by Southwest that year. And luckily song trust was one of the, had a speaker there and they started collecting my publishing royalties. They're this incredible independent publisher. You don't even need a publishing deal anymore. You go on song trust and they get all your money for you. And it's incredible. It's changed my whole career. So setting up revenue streams, being able to collect them independently, being able to maybe auction them off. Um, I've been really lucky to just meet these people in the industry that are helping me make money independently. Yeah. And what and I, when, and I really, and I'll just end with this. That's a great summary. And I think that the, the, the relationship to, how you view the revenue that you do make mm -hmm. that you said it perfectly. It's like, you know, to make enough money to keep doing this, that qualifier of to keep doing this yeah. speaks volumes because it's, it, the, the goal is not just to make money and you know, the bling and the whatever. Not it's, to make money. There's no, the bling. money is the right. The money is the, this is the means by which you get to continue doing what you love and continue yeah. making more music. That's it's the just reward part of that process. Right. Li living a music life is the reward because you can't, you can't buy it. Um, and you have to you have to live it. And once once uh, now that I've done it for a while, the thought of having to stop, yeah, it's it's sort of like a I, I compare it to being an athlete. You know, you don't want that day to come when you just got to enjoy it as you do it because however long it it doesn't last forever unless you're you know Mick Jagger. So yeah, every <laughs> single day I just want to wake up making music and playing shows, and however long it lasts, that's. I hope it lasts as long as possible because it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I don't have any other questions for you, man. Is there anything, okay. any other salient points you wanna you wanna get across, or anything you wanna say, pitch, promote, <laughs> recommend, anything? No, I mean, thanks for listening. Um, I'm down to keep the conversation going. Uh, on Instagram, I'm the Truth Experiment. On Spotify, I'm the Truth Experiment. And uh, if you're a musician out there and you're you're trying to find your way. Just take it one day at a time, have fun and work hard and be nice to people. And, you know, I can attest to that working out if you just stay dedicated and, yeah, call your parents, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, man, thanks again. I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Awesome. All right.
Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out Jake's social media profiles linked in the show notes to keep up with his new and upcoming releases. Tune in next week for our last episode of the year. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast feed. Until next time, take care.